Our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. That was a good song. I like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. It's our text. And the title of the message is, Are We Serious About Revival? Revival meetings begin next week with evangelist uh, Dr. Billy Ingram. And we're looking forward to hearing him preach. We've had him here before. Uh, he's been here on several occasions. He was even here as a teenager. And so uh, it's good to have somebody coming back. Uh, matter of fact, he worked with Brother Van Gelden for some time. And uh, now he's been on evangelism for over 12 years. And, and, then, and now he's pastoring a church. So here's a man that has really served the Lord, been faithful. And we're looking forward to having him here with us next week. But a man doesn't bring revival. Okay. Revival comes from God. But you know what? Uh, salvation is offered as a free gift. It really is. Salvation is a free gift. We're told uh, that really, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. A gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Yet Jesus also said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 20, verse 21, went everywhere preaching repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God because all sin is against God, but God became a man, Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God and faith towards Lord Jesus Christ. Why faith? Because He paid our penalty for sin on the cross. He rose up from the dead. He shed His blood for us, dying for us, dying for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. Jesus Christ did that for us. Now, He did everything that was necessary to save you and offers it to you. Uh, but if you don't receive it, it's not yours. If you don't want it, it's not yours. It's there for you, but you have to receive it. Well, in like matter, as Christians, if we want revival, we have to receive it. We've got to be willing for it. And when we talk about that, some people say, well, I don't want to pay the price of revival. You have no idea of the price that you pay for not wanting revival. I can imagine somebody one day just let the children do whatever they wanted to do. They didn't want to have standards. They didn't want to have a, a, a house that was uh, one that, uh, that pleased God. And as a result of not paying a price, they see their great-grandchildren, their grandchildren, and others in hell. We call it a price, paying the price for revival. I don't know if it's a price. I think it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do something that's right. So as we have that background to the introduction, in chapter 1 here, 1 Corinthians, verse 18, we read this. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, 
the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, the foolishness of preaching, he did not say foolish preaching. The foolishness of preaching. I'm, I've been visiting, uh, started today and visited different, one of our Sunday school classes as we're going through this Sunday school series on prophetic themes. And next week it's on the rapture. You'll want to be in your Sunday school class for, the, uh, for that lesson. And um, so that's the rapture next week. But as, as I, I go to the different Sunday school classes and, and visit, the one of the things that I'm, I'm looking for is not, do they teach that the way I want them to teach it? No, I like for them to have the same lesson and see how they get things out of it that I may have missed and things that I did not see. Boy, you know, and it's, it's great. There is so much in the Word of God. But uh, up in uh, Paul's class today, we were in his class, the young marriage class, and it's talking about going and giving a devotion somewhere yesterday, and then there was another preacher after him that came in to give a devotion. And the preacher used a bunch of cuss words. I mean actual cuss words in his uh, speaking to them. Okay? And probably some probably thought it was funny. Some thought it was other. That's foolish preaching. Okay, that's, that's not the foolishness of preaching. That is foolish preaching. Avoiding doctrine is foolish preaching. Avoiding truth is foolish preaching. Preaching the word as it is is the foolishness of preaching. Okay, that's the difference. Speaking the truth in love, but nonetheless... Speaking the truth. Jesus did testify of their works that they were evil. You ever think about, about that, how people would have thought of Jesus Christ today? Uh, probably like they did back then. He's speaking to this woman at the well, and he says, uh, Go call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. Man, you got that right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're married to now is not your husband, uh, that you're living with is not your husband. Is that right? Well, he shouldn't have done that. That's what they'd say today. He shouldn't have done that. That's not nice. He shouldn't have pointed out her sin. She, he shouldn't have said anything. No, Jesus told the truth. Because a person has to see they're a sinner before they can get saved. That lady got, not only got saved, she brought others to Christ. Boy, that was worth it. All right? So that was very well worth it. And so again, that last verse there. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we delve into your word this morning, I pray that thy spirit would just make this clear. Lord, we do need revival. Revival comes from you. But Lord, I pray that each of us would allow the Holy Spirit to use the word to examine our hearts today. And Lord, if there's anything that hinders revival, May that be removed today. And again, if there's one in this auditorium or listening by way of internet or radio that does not know that they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be their day they come to Christ. And we'd ask this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There's a very bright, bright line between moral and amoral. One of the great breakdowns in America is that parents have failed to see that God-drawn line, but it is there. 
it's clearly visible in his word that parents have failed to make that line clear to their children. What's the re, uh, result? We have children that have grown up now, and we have a society of morally blind adults. Many of them go to church. Yet, those same adults going to church, feeling good about themselves. They provide contraceptives for their children. Now look, providing contraceptives for your children is worldly wisdom. But it's one of that, those wisdoms that helps to send your children to hell. Okay? We need to be teaching our children morality. What is right, what is pure. That is God's way. Not a way to, don't teach your children how to cover their sin. Teach your children to turn from sin. See, that's the difference. We think it wise today, so many parents, to allow their children to have cell phones with free access to the World Wide Web. And let me tell you something. Even in a Christian school, we know this beyond any shadow of a doubt. Many of your church-going kids are watching pornography on the Internet. They're sending pictures of themselves. Now they have it set up to where, boy, if you don't catch it right while they're doing it, they've got it. They got by you. What's wrong with flip phone, flip phones, huh? What's wrong with those? Can you imagine saying, uh, Dad, I need a cell phone. You know, I could be out there and I'd be in trouble and I need help. Great, great, great. Let's get him a flip phone so if he gets in trouble, we can help him out. Then we begin to discover that that child was not wanting a phone in case they were in trouble. They were wanting that phone that allows them to share those things. Look. Too many teenagers, been in the pastorate over 40 years now, grew up in a pastor's home, seen it. That will never happen to me. That'll never happen to me. And it happened. Why? Because when a couple gets alone, they don't understand when biology turns in, that young teenager cannot handle it. And that happens over and over and over again. And we are not giving them the foundation they need. Now look, someday your child is going to be fully tempted and you're not going to be there to do anything about it. You just won't be there. So what's going to help? What's going to help is that testimony that they grew up with in your home that will convict them and convict them and perhaps prevent them from doing it. We must do God's will, God's way. Some think it's wise to allow their daughters so they'll be accepted to dress in the attire of a harlot, showing parts of their bodies that should be only seen by their future husbands and only after they're married. And some of you jelly-spined husbands can go ahead and say amen if you want to on that. Because uh, that's right, because we, we've got to have men take the head of their home again. 
They think it's wise not to show respect for authority, law, and God. They mock it to their children. They make fun of it. They just don't want that authority to be there in their lives. They're they're ranting in some official's office of how unfair it is. I don't know where this fair comes from, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's not fair that we as Christians should be concerned about. It's justness. Okay, what is fair? Okay, I'm backing up out of my driveway. I didn't see your child run into my driveway behind my car, and I run over your child. That child's three years old, and it kills that child. I go to you and I say, look, I had this dog. No, let's make it more real. I had this cat. Uh, and, and, and look, you can go ahead and kill my cat, and that'll make it even. That'll be fair. No. Even if you gave your own child, it would not be fair. You see, there's a difference between just and fair. We're not concerned as being fair or unfair. But you see, that's the way the world thinks. That is the worldly wisdom. And if we're not shouting from the housetops, God's way, God's will, God's word, they're not going to know they're sinners. They've been taught in public schools and other places over and over through entertainment, through all types of mediums that got to be fair. There's nothing really wrong with this. There's nothing really wrong with some of these things that I've already mentioned. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all right. And see, because they're getting that, they actually think it's all right. And it is not. It is not. And we've got to be aware of that. What's worse, and you say, you think it's worse? Yes, I think what I'm going to say is worse, although probably many won't uh, agree with it. But what's worse is that we've allowed churches now to become houses of entertainment. We seek to bring attention to ourselves, and then we blaspheme by using the name of Jesus to make it sound good, but really we're just trying to praise and glorify ourselves and not Jesus Christ. Look, I think it's wrong for a woman to dress seductively in a nightclub and sing, but now they're doing it in church. That's filthy. That is sin, and that's blasphemous to an all-holy God. And so what has happened? Well, the wisdom of this world which is motivated by the flesh. It has the mind of the flesh. It has the flesh's philosophies. And so people choose the wisdom of this world instead of the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is embedded in His Word. It's practiced by godly men and women who truly love God and have ordered their lives according to sound doctrine of God's holy breathed word that is preserved for us today. Let's not lose sight of the fact that although philosophies change in this world, when man stands before God, it's going to be according to this book. 
even in Revelation chapter 20, when he's talking about the judgment there in verses 11 through 15, and the books were open, those books weren't written on earth, and those books were not written by professors or anybody else. It was written by the God of gods, the Lord of lords. And we must be straight with God. Straight with God, or we have an eternity in that lake of fire if people aren't saved. Yes, God is holy. Now, I've said all that to say this. Revival in America will only come as Christians give themselves to the wisdom of God. We don't have to do this in order to reach them. We don't have to do that in order to reach them. You know what? When we say, well, look, we've got to, we've got to have a drums all across this place. We've got to have the music blaring. We've got to have the lights going. And we've got to lessen the standards. And we've got to do this. We've got to do that. All those things, or we're not going to win them. I'm not out to win anybody, to be frank with you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We're not out to win them. We're out to change them. And only Jesus Christ can change them, and we're introducing him to that change. How did that woman at the well get so many saved that day? Because they saw a change in her life. And that's what happens. That's what we need is a change. So that's our goal. But we think that the Holy Spirit just can't do it anymore. We think that Satan has somehow gained a power that is so great. Holy Spirit can't overcome it. Now we've got to involve the flesh in the holy worship of God. We've got to involve the flesh in the day-to-day way we conduct our lives. And now we have a society surrounding us that doesn't know what a Christian life is supposed to be. We're satisfied because we're going to church and, and we're there. Well, it is more than that. I'm not, look, I'm not trying to attack people. I'm trying to attack the devil. But if you're standing beside the devil, you might get hit. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Give yourself to the wisdom of God. Let's look again at our text. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. The world mocks standards. The world mocks holiness. That's the world. Yes, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The power of God, why? Because it changes us. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The wisdom of the wise. He says, I'm going to destroy it. Other words, the way the world thinks about it. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Now think about the scribe. The scribe, most of them would have thought about these Jewish guys that, that uh, not only copied scriptures, 
But they tried to give you the idea of what they meant, and they, they tried to be teachers of it and so forth. And the scribe was supposed to be one of the higher academic-type people of the day. They were religious scribes, okay? Very religious, even in our Word of God. The Old Testament, mainly, but that was their wisdom. But you see, they had an educated wisdom of man, but not a wisdom of God that changed the heart and life. He said, where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? That's the secular. That's those that attack Christians. (laughs) What do you mean you're against genocide of 55 million babies? I'm still against genocide of the 55 million babies. I'm against the genocide of one baby. Oh, don't call it genocide. You know, isn't it interesting? By their terms, they show they know that it's wrong. They'll say, the mother and the fetus. Why not say the homo sapien and the fetus? Or the mother and the baby? See, so by their own terminology, they show they don't even believe that it's right. But it sure does take some pressure off of them. It helps certain people get a lot more money and get richer. Whereas on the other hand, it helps a lot of people to get rid of some responsibility for their sin. Not knowing they're going to face an eternal God one day. I don't care who the politician is. I don't care if he's Republican. I don't care if he's Democrat. The decisions they make that go against the word of God will one day call them into an account. It will. They've been given that position in life. Look, I'm going to be called to an account for what I preached up here. I could preach something a lot different that everybody might like and make them feel good about themselves. That's fine for you, but it wouldn't be fine for me. And really for yourself, now that you've got a written word of God, you've got a preserved word of God, you've got a word of God that's not like it was in the old days where you had to go back to the, the, the synagogue or, or those places where they would have these scrolls together and they'd take them out there, they kept them there and they'd have to read them there. Even in the, back in the 1700s when they were getting printed copies of the Bible into the uh, church, that those things would be that big, okay? And they'd have them going across the, the pulpit, and they'd be chained. They'd be chained so they couldn't be taken so people wouldn't steal them. Matter of fact, one of the reasons most stayed behind the pulpit in that day, instead of wandering around like I've just done some here this morning, is because they want to show I'm standing behind the Word of God, not in front of it. It's not me, it's God's Word. And that's the truth. It's God's Word. What does God say, not what is the opinion of man? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see... Salvation is God's way. There are not many roads to heaven. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. There are not many roads to heaven. Jump over, if you will, to chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, that is mature. Not the wisdom of this world, for of the princes of, nor of the princes of this world, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the uh, world unto our glory. You see, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Now, let me say something, then I'll explain it. People said, you believe in women preachers. I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay. But can women be preachers? Oh, yes. You say, Pastor, you're an independent fundamental Baptist. You believe? Yeah. You see, the, the word for preaching, preacher, you'll see that in Romans chapter 10. How shall they hear? They don't have a preacher. He's not talking about the preacher in the pulpit. Now he's talking about heralding the gospel. And that's every one of our responsibilities if we're saved. When you're witnessing, you're actually preaching the gospel. Men and women, we all have a responsibility to preach the gospel, the way of salvation. We need to preach that one-on-one -on -one to lost souls. That's God's way. That's God's word. That's God's will. And that's an area of accountability for each and every one of us. Go to chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. There we read, Know ye not that... Ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, your body is a temple of God. One day, you're going to die, and the spirit that's inside your own personal spirit is going to leave this body. If you're not saved, that spirit's going to go to hell. If you are saved, it's going to go be with the Lord. You are a spirit with a soul and a body, not a body with a soul and a spirit. Okay, this body's going to be put off, and he's going to give us a new body. So that's going to be changed. But what I want you to see is this, is the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christians are not filled with Jesus. They're satisfied with attending meetings weekly, maybe reading the Bible occasionally, and saying uh, some prayers sometimes. Mechanical, almost recorded prayers in your mind. It is an awful thing for Christ to see people professing to be Christians, but they're lifeless and they're not a light in a world that's so filled with darkness. You say, well, if they just see the way I live, they'll want what I have. Really? Really? I mean... What about when you're brushing your teeth? Well, they want to see how you brush them. Like me, you take them out and you go. Um, you know, how do you, I mean, what are they going to do? What, what are they going to look for? We say that in all areas of life. 
well, this is my favorite sports team. Oh, well, then I've got to be like him because that's his favorite sports team. No, people must hear the word of God. Faith cometh by seeing. No, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what the Bible says. Now, you can dispute with God about that. You're not disputing with me. You can dispute with God about that, but you're always going to end up losing that battle. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. It's an awful thing that many people will die and go to hell having never heard the gospel one time. It's a terrible thing that if we choose to be accepted and liked by the world at the expense of holiness, faithfulness, and walking with God, it's a shame because more than likely it's your children or grandchildren that are going to be in hell. Well, I got them to say a prayer. Did you get them to repent and believe the gospel? Well, they said the prayer, look, asking the Lord to save you is not this hocus pocus. We've got this prayer of asking Jesus into my heart as if it's hocus pocus. If we say these words, we've got it right. We've got to say the right words. No, you've got to have the right heart. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I can't save myself. I need a Savior. Jesus, please save me. That's what it's got to be. Change my life. Make me anew. We must come to Jesus Christ. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. See, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're saved. So it must be a holy place for him to dwell now, because you still have that old nature, it's going to be up to you to which rules in your life. You see, it's not how much of the Holy Spirit you have, it's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have. You've got all the Holy Spirit, you've just got to surrender all to Him. You see, the enemy can discover what you desire more than to obey God. And then he will continually seduce you to those things to keep you from serving God, even if those things are not evil in and of themselves. How many today are naming the name of Christ somewhere out on a golf course? How many are naming the name of Christ and have got a line in a lake somewhere trying to catch fish? What I'm saying is, is that, well, I can just be as close to God out here. Not when you're disobeying him. You're forsaking the assembling ourselves together. How can you be as close to God? What you ought to be afraid of, that when you're out there in the golf course, a lightning bolt's not going to hit you and strike you dead. And what if you've got a hole in one? Who would you tell? I mean, it's Sunday, you know. Got a hole in one. <laughs> oh, yeah? Verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. 
For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. I guess to put it in simple language, there is absolutely no room whatever for a divided heart between the world and God. Because if it is, he spews you out of, your, out of his mouth, he says. And you'll be the one that is saved so as by fire. But worse than that, when we allow these things in, it won't be because God doesn't want to give revival to Central Baptist, to Ocala, to our country. It's because people aren't willing for the Lord to do revival in their heart. Revival starts in your own heart. And then it spreads out. I believe it's kind of like I was reading First Samuel chapter 30 today and I, I saw where the man that after the Amalekites attacked Ziklag, Ziklag where David's men had been staying and they they took their women and children and all that with them and all their stuff. They went out to go after those other men and they found this Egyptian and he was near death. He had not eaten or drunk any liquids for three days and he's about dead. That's pretty well still true today if you don't do that with the liquids. And they had to work on him to revive him to get him around but once he got around then he was able to tell them what they needed to find out. But I'm afraid in an analogy to that, that too many Christians have stopped hungering after thir- and thirsting after righteousness. And now they're in a place of spiritual deadness to where they cannot do anything for Christ. And that's a shame. Now, we have revival meeting coming up, and I've preached this message because I want to lay the groundwork that I believe that God would have me to lay because this is His Word. Trying to lay that groundwork just simply to say this is that uh, the only thing that will stand between me and revival is me. Same thing with you. And the reason it's so important is where, what is the status of your children, your grandchildren, the people you love and cherish? What is their spiritual status? Is maintaining your status quo in your relationship now more important than their souls? Oh, my friend, please get things right with God. Open your heart and say, Lord, whatever you would have me to do, whatever you want in my life, whatever you want out of my life, I'll take it out. Lord, whatever you want added to my life, I want it added. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. Now, all those things don't mean anything at all that I've said this morning if Jesus Christ is not your Savior. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, my friend... I can tell you, not by my authority, but by the authority of the Word of God, if you have not received Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you haven't confessed, I am a sinner, I deserve to go to hell, you don't believe that you deserve to go to hell, then my friend, I've got news for you. 
you're on the fast track to hell. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he come to this earth to die for your sins, to shed his blood and to die for you. Three days later, he bodily rose from the grave so that he could not only in, uh, ensure eternal life, but he could ensure to you a resurrection and a new body and a place that will never pass away. But my friend, you must come to him just as you are. You won't ever get good enough for him. Come to him just as you are and say, Lord, here am I. Please save me. Please begin to work in my heart. Make me what you want me to be. Save my soul. I give you my heart and life. You know what? Since God doesn't lie, he'll do it. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he'll do it if you'll come to him. Let's bow our heads, please.